Welcome to The Business of Defense, sponsored by ASMC on Federal News Network. Here's today's moderator, Rich Brady. Welcome, and thanks for joining us again. I'm Rich Brady, CEO at the American Society of Military Comptrollers and your host on The Business of Defense, sponsored by ASMC on Federal News Network. My guest today is Todd Johnston, Managing Director with BDO Public Sector. BDO Public Sector develops tailored strategies and implements practical solutions that increase efficacy and enhance efficiency to address constantly evolving challenges faced at all levels of the federal, state, and local government. Within the defense sector, BDO exercises expertise in strategy, financial management, operations, technology, and risk consulting to drive transformation, advance processes, and improve technology infrastructure. At a time when the Department of Defense is undergoing financial systems migration, working to achieve a clean audit opinion, and gaining financial transparency to achieve the goals of the DOD financial management strategy, the work of audit, advisory, and consulting firms like BDO is absolutely critical. Todd, welcome to the show. Thank you, sir. I'm happy to be here. Absolutely. Uh, I understand uh, you flew in from Huntsville this morning. I did. So I want to thank you for coming up to Washington, D.C. in August as schools are just getting into session and traffic is starting to pick up. Thank you for having me. I'm not going to lie. My last couple of flights, both from Huntsville and back to, have been delayed massively, right? <laughs> so this morning I was sweating it a little bit because I think we took off probably 15 minutes late, but I kept waiting for the bad news. So I am happy to be here as well. Absolutely. So let's kind of start with the beginning with BDO a little bit. Uh, for those who've been around for some time, uh, a, lot of, a lot of people will remember the BDO's advertising campaign. People who know, know BDO. But for those who don't know, uh, describe BDO for us. Well, it's funny you bring that commercial up because that's actually the thing that people recognize the most when I tell them I work for BDO. They typically um, don't know exactly what we do, but they all remember the commercials. And I would say that's a success in many ways for our marketing team, that everybody knows that tagline. Um, but essentially, we are the fifth largest network of accounting, advisory, tax, and consulting firms in the world. Okay, so um, we've grown a lot since 2012 when Wayne Burson took over as CEO. I think at the time, we were somewhere in the top 10, and we did about $600 million in revenue uh, within the USA. Now we do a little over $2 billion, right? So we've had a lot of growth in the last 10 years, um, but that's the market we operate in. We do a lot of commercial work, a lot of middle market work, and a lot of firms that are uh, about to go public, and also some also large publicly traded companies, right? So um, I would say our competition is uh, really the big four, and then some of the higher level middle market f- firms as well. So within that, uh, that $2.5 billion in revenue a year within BDO USA, what portion of the, the federal practice uh, is made up of that? So our federal practice is going to be around, uh, I want to say we're projected to be around 40 million, right? So it is one of the smaller practices that we have. I think our federal practice has actually been around since 2011, but we've grown a lot recently. Actually, I was part of an acquisition uh, in 2020 from Morgan Franklin Consulting. So um, we are a growing practice. We are one of the um, eight strategic focus areas within BDO right now. And so while we all are a small portion of that, we are one of the fastest growing portions, and we're certainly putting a lot of investment in this space. And what uh, other areas make up the federal practice? You mentioned defense. So we have defense, which is what I run, and then we've got civilian, um, run by Wendy Morris, and then we've got Shannon Donovan, who runs our intel practice. Okay. And uh, within defense, can you talk a little bit about that? You mentioned that uh, you came over from Morgan Franklin a a few years ago. Uh, I think that was BDO's entree into the defense market, largely. Um, Yeah. Where's the defense 
sector come from? Where is it going to now? Yeah, so that's true. I mean, so they had some legacy defense work that was pretty small, but really that acquisition of Morgan Franklin is what really drove their investment in the defense space. Um, look, I would say that what we've excelled in is we've done a good job of putting people at all levels of defense organizations, right? So we support basically all the major headquarter uh, financial improvement algorithms writing those contracts, but we also support at the major command. Um, let's just look at Army, major command, major subordinate command, PEO, and even installation level, right? So really our strategy has been, okay, we have these big headquarter contracts, right? Let's certainly try to be on those supporting, providing the best support that we can. But let's also branch down into sort of the operational execution areas uh, at the lower levels of this or- organizations so that we have a full picture of the enterprise that we're supporting, right? And I think that's where our growth has come is really in those sort of major subordinate command, major command levels and trying to focus on, this is not just a top-down thing. It is a top-down, bottom-up, and you need support at these various levels to understand uh, the guidance that's coming down from on high so that you can implement correctly and address some of these audit issues, right? So really, that's been our growth is in sort of this sort of, I'll say, niche area, right, of trying to support these areas that maybe other folks weren't focused on at first, that we saw a need at those levels if we were going to get to where we needed to from an audit readiness perspective. I want to get you into your uh, strategy here in a moment, uh, but uh, first of all, let's say you're standing in front of a customer, a potential customer, sure. a federal client, defense client. You know, what's your 30-second pitch? Uh, you know, what differentiates uh, BDO from your competitors? It's going to be similar to what I just said, which is essentially that our, our operational understanding of your enterprise, I think, is second to none. Right? I really do think that we've been lucky that we've had people at all levels of these organizations. So to me, one of the big issues when consulting with the DOD is that someone comes in, right, and they start assessing you based on commercial best practices or other large organizations they've supported. And the reality is, is that where the DOD is in sort of its financial management life cycle is so different than any other organization that's close to its size, right? I mean, this has been, bar none, the largest financial transformation in history, right? And it's ongoing, okay? So you need to have an understanding of not just best practices from the commercial side, but where they are currently and why. Because we might say, hey, in this logistical operation over here, there's this area that's a problem uh, on the financial statements, it's causing a transaction not to flow, your ERPs are not integrated correctly. We can say all that stuff. But however it was designed, it was designed for a reason, right? <laughs> the reason might not have been auditability, but there is a reason. Right. And so if we're going to guide the client to the, in the best way possible to achieve an audit readiness state, we need to understand the why of why it was designed the way it was to help them get there, right? And so to me, what differentiates us is that. We do understand that. We've had those experiences because we support at all levels. And I think that best positions us to support clients to not just iteratively move towards audit readiness, but to do so that doesn't sacrifice mission success. So for all audit advisory consulting firms uh, like BDO that have an audit practice, a tax practice, and a consulting uh, or an advisory practice, uh, they have to keep some separation between the audit side Mm -hmm. and the consulting side. Can you talk a little bit about uh, that nuance? Uh, A lot of our viewers might not be familiar with that and why these have to be separated. Sure. And um, auditing, we talk about independence, and it's independent and independence in fact and appearance. It's that and that most people forget, right? That and appearance, right? So if you cannot be providing consulting services to an audit client, right, um, it really doesn't even matter the threshold involved in that now, right? Because the rules have changed. So you have to make sure that independence is clear. If that independence is, 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 is violated, then you're going to have to drop essentially that consulting client. There's just, there's no way around it, right? So that firewall has to exist. So for us in defense, we have chosen to be out of the business of pure audits, right? We have chosen that we would rather be on the consulting side. Um, Partly, it's because of my bias, right? I prefer consulting. I think the collaborative nature of working with clients to address issues 
to solve their problems, as opposed to coming in and giving a stack of NFRs, notice of findings or recommendations, right? And then walking out. I'd rather be there working the corrective actions with them. So we don't have any conflicts on the, on the defense side because we don't do any actual audit work. Of course, we have a massive audit practice on our commercial side. But within defense, we've made the strategic decision that we want to focus on consulting. But let's say hypothetically, we went after Army audit and let's say we want it. Well, then we wouldn't be allowed to provide consulting services to the Army as well. So how do you go through, uh, understand you have some bias personally yeah, toward sure. the consulting side, uh, but from a financial perspective, how do uh, companies or auto advisory consulting firms make this decision? Uh, I mean, there's got to be, uh, what do the margins look like uh, sure. on both sides? Is, is, is that driving part of that decision? Certainly. It's an assessment of fees on both sides, right? But it's, it's not as black and white as, okay, if we take this on as an audit client, um, you know, what does that do to our consulting fees? It's a matter of, if we take this person on as an audit client, how does it impact the business in its entirety, right? So you can make an argument that if you took certain fourth estate you know, um, uh, organizations within defense, that by auditing them, you're putting other work within defense at risk, right? So it's an assessment of not just the fees on that versus the fees for consulting, but the fees to the practice as a whole. And certainly that's a calculation, right? And our calculation has been that for us, it makes more sense for now to be on the consulting side of the house. So does the customer understand that? Uh, you know, if I'm, if I'm a customer, if I'm in the Army and, and I see that you've just completed my audit, uh, when I say, well, wait, you just went through the whole audit, you understand my operations, oh my you gosh, came up with yeah. findings, you know, yeah. now I want you to fix the problem since you understand them so well. Why do I have to go to somebody else? Do so, you, do you, uh, is that a challenge? Yeah, it is. Yeah. And the answer to why is because of things like in 2000, I think it was one or two, we had Enron and WorldCom and all these big situations, right, where you had these uh, massive audit clients, right? In this case, we'll use Enron, right? Arthur Anderson, right? So they're doing their audit, but their consulting fees with, with uh, Enron are dwarfing their audit fees, right? Massive conflict of interest, right? You just cannot do it, right? So that's really the why we can't do it, right? Because there comes a point when it's, it's not saying that the integrity of somebody is compromised, but it's saying that you're putting the company in a position to where it'd be easy for their integrity to be compromised, right? And so Enron's the perfect example of where that happened. So that's why these rules went into effect the way they did, okay? Um, and as far as the Army and the, well, I'll say the DOD, understanding that situation, they do now, yeah. right? <laughs> I would say in 2018, 19, 20, and still it's a little bit now, there was that question. It's like, okay, right. you guys came in and assessed this. And you're telling us that here's our notice of finance recommendation, here's our material weaknesses, here's these issues we need to get addressed. Why can't you just write the corrective actions for us and tell us what we need to do? And let's be clear, they do write recommendations, quote unquote, but those recommendations are at 100,000 feet, right? right? And they're not into the weeds of implementation, right? And yeah, of course the client has had questions about that. Um, I think it's been something we've had to work through, right? Like, you know, to give an example, um, I've been in conversations with the client where they say, why can't we just present this approach to the external auditor? And why can't we just say, hey, is this going to pass mustard, right? And the answer is, well, you can do that, okay? But their answer is not going to be a hard yes or a hard no. It's going to be, okay, fine. This in theory and design looks like it works, but we're still going to have to go through after implementation and, and basically test the operating effectiveness of it, right? So I think sometimes the DOD clients want it to be more cut and dry than it is. Right? And I do think the problem when you do something like that and say, okay, here's our approach, tell us if this design works, there can be impacts of that design to other areas of the business right. that you're not assessing in that moment. And neither is the external auditor, because they can't. So I do think this has been a real pain point. 
I understand that it's, it's, hard, it's a hard thing to wrap your head around. And especially when, to go back to a prior point, this is unprecedented. This organization is massive. We're going through a huge change. And so I could make an argument that says, hey, you know, maybe in this situation it makes sense for us to dig a little more into these areas because of where this organization is from an audit perspective. But I also understand that's just not how independence rules work. Right. right. So that's why you have to have those sides. And it's why it's important that, you know, folks have the right people, whether it's consultants or whether it's in-house, that understand the NFRs, understand uh, the language the auditors are speaking and how to interpret and how to develop corrective actions based on that. We're going to come right back to that uh, understanding the customer and uh, understanding yeah. their needs. We come right back. The U.S. defense industry is large, complex, and competitive. It is also lucrative for those companies able to navigate it successfully. The American Society of Military Comptrollers helps bridge the gap between the boardroom and the battlefield while supporting transformation in the defense sector. The Business of Defense podcast brings you inside the companies working to achieve this directly from the business leaders and to understand how they create value for their companies and their customers. For more information on ASMC, visit asmconline.org. Welcome back to the Business of Defense, sponsored by ASMC on Federal News Network. I'm talking with Todd Johnson, Managing Director at BDO Public Sector, a wholly owned subsidiary of BDO USA, whose team of specialists and advisors possess both technical expertise and practical understanding of the public sector domain to bring lasting change and identify new opportunities for their clients. Todd, you mentioned earlier you were down in Huntsville. Can you talk a little bit about your path, again, to BDO, coming through Morgan Franklin, coming through, coming from the public sector side uh, of accounting into the defense sector? Sure. Um, interesting question. Um, honestly, I never thought I'd be where I am right now, if I'm going to be perfectly honest, right? So um, I'll go back all the way to the beginning even. You know, I graduated undergrad, master's in accounting. I go work for a large accounting firm in Atlanta. I'm doing outsourced financial reporting for CDC. Um, I had just actually, well, not just, my now wife and girlfriend had been dating for probably eight months, right? At the time, the big firm I was working for had just kicked off a, you know, their quote-unquote DOD audit readiness work in D.C., right? And this was like 2008-ish, right? So anyways, I'd been at CDC, and it was fine, but it was one of those things where you know, I'm from the Atlanta area, go to Auburn, come back. It's almost like high school, college, friends merge, right? This opportunity comes up. I had no designs on staying in defense, didn't even really know what I was doing. Uh, again, went to my then girlfriend, now wife, and said, hey, we got this opportunity in D.C. And if we stay here, this is it. And not that that's bad, but this is it. If we go do this, it's something new, right? And so she agreed. You know, we moved up here, uh, got engaged, all that, ended up getting married. Um, and I started working in sort of defense audit readiness. Um, I'll never forget the first client I had. They said, hey, we want you to look into balance sheet activities, in, in particular, uh, Class 5, which is you know ammunition. And they said, hey, can you take a look at what we're doing? Now, CDC, by the way, I'm not saying it's completely perfect either, but I will say they were passing their audits. So to come to a defense environment and they would say, hey, you know, wrap your head around this $32 billion in Class 5. I was like, wait, what are we doing? Right, Because it was a whole understanding of their you know, APSRs, their, so their property systems, how they're integrated into, into their actual ERPs. They were just at a different point in the life cycle. And I was like, this is amazing. I actually really liked it because as I've said a few times, I do think this is the largest financial transformation in history. And getting into that and seeing it from the beginning has been an amazing experience. So I never planned to be in any of this, right? Um, but we moved up here. Uh, I love the work. Um, and then we actually had my first son. I now have two boys, but I had my first son. And my wife really wanted to get back to the Southeast, right? And so 
I was actually going to get out of this. Um, I was actually at one of your events. I was at a PDI in Orlando, and I was thinking about taking a job in IT finance with a big company in Atlanta. Okay, and basically, a mentor of mine uh, had dinner with me, and I told him what I was doing, and he said, "What are you thinking?" He said, "You've been in this since basically the inception. You built relationships. You know this work. It'd be crazy to get out of it." So that caused me to think about it, all right? And he set me up with uh, my now, my same boss, Frank Landefeld. I had dinner with him the following night. And you've met Frank, obviously. And um, so Frank's a mentor of mine. And Frank was like, look, we want to build this defense practice at Morgan Franklin. We think you're the right guy. You know, we don't care where you live. And so I said, would you be okay with me setting up shop in Huntsville? He said, absolutely. So we moved down there. We took that risk. Um, and, you know, now, basically, the rest is history. We, we won, a, I don't know, I guess we've got four or five contracts in Huntsville now. We've obviously got the ones up in D.C. We've got a couple out in San Antonio uh, and then scattered throughout, right? So, honestly, it's been a journey. It's one that I've been happy to be a part of. I really do love doing this work. And, um, honestly, I'm thankful for, for Frank and Morgan Franklin and then ultimately BDO acquiring us and the way this has worked out. So, this is not something I planned on, right? Like, the, the joke I tell people is one of my largest contracts is environmental and disposal liabilities. If you told me that I'd be reviewing environmental estimates when I was 22, I'd have thought you were crazy, right? So, you know, it's one of those things where I think you just, you work hard, you try to do the right things, and you see where your career takes you. But to say this was the plan would be a lie. Well, <laughs> but but you, I love the work I'm doing now. <laughs> you certainly seem to know what you're doing, and I'm glad to hear that uh, ASMC may have played some yeah, small, some small sure. role in that. That's actually uh, funny, yeah. I, uh, I want to transition a little bit in what's going on within the larger audit advisory consulting sure. space. There's a lot taking place right now. You know, a lot of people have heard about the big four, uh, your Deloitte's, KPMG, PwC, sure. EY. But then there's the next year, the next three, uh, BDO, RSM, and Grant Thornton. Sure. Of those eight, uh, uh, two have announced over the last three months that they're going to be splitting off their, their basically their federal practice or their consulting practices in some way. And there's rumors about others. Uh, what's your assessment uh, of what's going on right now in this market? It's a good question. So I'm going to say two things. I'll talk about the larger piece first, and then I'll kind of go back and adjust the public sector piece. From the larger perspective, right, um, and I'll say the name because I don't think it's, it's any secret. Like EY has talked about right. breaking up their consulting and their audit practice. Uh, obviously, I'm not privy to those conversations, but my guess is it's really two things. One, there's been a lot of regulatory pressure recently on audits. So earlier we talked about independence, right. right? So recently, there's been a lot of looking into sort of these big four accounting firms, and really all of us, I shouldn't just say the big four, let's say everybody in the top 10, right? And assessing, okay, so here is your revenue from audit, here is your revenue from consulting. Even if there's no conflicts of interest, even if there's no real independence issues, if those get way out of whack, right, or even slightly out of whack, then reg the, you know, regulatory bodies are going to start looking into that and being like, okay, is there any conflicts here? Are there even perceived conflicts when all of a sudden you're an IPA, but a majority of your revenue is coming from consulting, right? So I think that's one big thing is there's just pressure coming from regulatory bodies, right. okay? Two, I think that there's a reality, uh, and I think this has actually been cyclical within, within the uh, big accounting firms, is that when your consulting practice get to a certain size, it does put some strain on the organization. Why? Because you can't do audits for clients that you're consulting with and vice versa, right? So there does come a point, uh, we'll just call it of saturation, where I do think even outside of the regulatory stuff, it makes sense to maybe look at what that, you know, how that split is working and what decisions need to be made to make sure that you can still operate successfully as an IPA firm, right? Um, and so I think it's those two things, which I don't think, I think they're actually 
coupled together, if that makes sense. It's right. not one or the other, it's both, right? So I do think some of it's cyclical. Um, I don't know that I think everybody's going to go down that route because I think there's ways to manage it and handle it so that you don't have to split. But obviously, that's up to those organizations independently. So it sounds like it's part of kind of the evolutionary process. So. And we're going to go through this cycle over the next uh, maybe few years uh, where there's some divestitures, some consolidations. Um, what impact does that have then on the clients? Is this all transparent to the client? Uh, is there something the client should be concerned about? Or teaming partners? Yeah, so um, it certainly impacts the client when they occur. I think it's still important to realize, even though we've been in this space of a lot of M&A, this type, the major shakeups still don't happen all that often, right? Sometimes it feels like they do because when they do, it's always very present, right? But they don't really happen all that often, right? And yes, I mean, there are rules in place for how you have to inform clients and contracting offices when these things are happening, right? So it really never should impact a client down at the execution level. Um, certainly from a teaming partner perspective, it can, right? Because you can have issues where somebody goes through a divestiture or they go through an acquisition, which can create an independence problem for one of their teaming partners. Um, and so that certainly does happen. And when it does, uh, it's something you have to assess, assess in the market uh, and, and try to pivot and navigate it the best you can, right? So I don't, it's, it's not always an easy thing to do, but you know, it's something that we're going to have to do as we continue to work through this. But I don't really think the client is impacted as much because of the steps you have to take prior to this to make sure that they're in the loop and that the key personnel they need are still executing for them. So yeah. a firm like BDO then, uh, and in your space where you're growing, how do, you, how do you manage this? Are there opportunities out there as this is all taking place around you? Sure, absolutely. I think, I mean, I think that's the key, right? Is to me, whenever there's these types of shakeups, there's always gonna be opportunity, okay? And so what we're looking at, if somebody is you know, divesting, like one, we're, all, we're, one, we're looking to see whether or not they're an acquisition target for us, right? And certainly if they're, it makes sense and they, um, they're synergies and they integrate well within whether it's our defense or civilian practice or the public sector as a whole, then we're going to look at that, right? But then two, yes, I mean, I'm not going to lie about that. I mean, I, I don't think it really sh should impact clients day to day in the near term, right? But I certainly think there's situations where something like this happens and over time it impacts them, right? And why? Because when you have leadership changes and you have these big acquisitions to take place, typically what I'll call like your frontline partners or MDs that are running organizations, like they're going to stay the same. But it doesn't mean they're going to stay the same for the next two or three years, right? Because they've had a shakeup in the organization that can impact how they're looking at everything else, right? And that goes from them down to their senior managers, to their managers, to their senior consultants and consultants. So I think over time, you have to look at the opportunity there to pick up valuable people, and those valuable people, because let's be honest, it's really the people in this business, which is a service business, that shapes your client, right? right. So you want to get clients, get good people, right? That's really how this works. So from that perspective, if we're looking at a, you know, like I said, two to three year horizon, I think there's big opportunity. In the immediate term, I don't think there is as much, but I certainly think two to three years, you have to be looking at that. Great. Thank you, Todd. Thank you for your assessment of the situation. Something we're going to have to keep a close eye on sure. uh, in the future. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. I'd like to thank today's guest, Todd Johnston, Managing Director of BDO Public Sector, for his insights into BDO Public Sector's strategy, market, business model, and support to federal clients. Join us again next month, where we will bring you inside the companies working to drive transformation in the defense sector, to hear directly from their business leaders, and to understand how they create value for their companies and their customers. I am Rich Brady. CEO of the American Society of Military Comptrollers, and I thank you again for joining us. You are listening to Federal News Network. For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search ASMC.
Thank you for listening to The Business of Defense, sponsored by ASMC on Federal News Network.